dropped the puck. Don't suck. Mallory Styles is back with me again, the love of my life. Uh, yeah. We just got back, what, uh, I guess the day you recorded? No, the day, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. So it's been, on the day that we're recording this, it's been about four days since we've gotten back from vacation, I mm-hmm. guess. It was a lot of fun. Did you have a lot of fun? Oh, yeah. It was nice. What was... um. What was your favorite part about traveling there while we were there? Mm, the ocean. Oh, you like the ocean? Yeah. We were right next to it. Yeah, pretty much the whole time. I was thinking more along the lines of like, you know. Oh, Halloween stuff? Well, no, like what we were, like the plane or something oh. like that. <laughs> because I know you You know what I'm going to say about my favorite part of the trip. What are you going to say? I really liked our rental car. (laughs) Yeah, you did. He talked about it all the time and took a picture of it. I did take a picture of it. It's a, it was a (laughs) Kia K5. Um, I can't remember what the package was, but that little thing was fun to drive. I mean, I, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It rode nice. It drove really well. I thought it handled, it handled really well. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of fun driving it. We didn't drive it all that much. I mean, um. We kind of got we were I wasn't shocked at how many people um were in the area that we went to, but at the same time I was a little shocked that the parking situation was as bad as it was. Yeah, there was no parking at all. I think what we drove around almost an hour and a half Friday trying to Well, I don't know if it was that long, maybe like a 45 minutes to an hour before we decided to ride the train. And the train rides weren't bad. Yeah, they were fun. We got really lucky. We didn't we, we didn't pay for didn't like pay four or five like rides. Four, four rides. So I think we only paid for one because they they were they were short on conductors. So again, you're probably wondering, well, where did you guys go? What where where are you talking about? We you haven't told me where you went. So we left on a Thursday, um, right before Halloween, and decided we decided this a number of months ago. And Mallory, we decided to go to Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, we did. So we flew in to uh, to Boston on Thursday, and we stayed, what, like two minutes outside of Boston proper, I guess you would say? Yeah, we were in Chelsea. It was pretty there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the view from our hotel was really nice. We had a view of like a pedestrian greenway type thing, and there was a river, and then we saw some what I call mountains <laughs> with some pretty little New England houses on them. And it was a nice view to wake up to every day. I kind of wish we had that in our yard. Yeah, here in the uh, Carolinas, the leaves have already kind of turned brown and fallen off to the ground. It's not a very pretty look, I don't guess. No, everything kind of looks like the dead part when winter comes and there's like no more life until spring. We're almost there. (laughs) The season that I do not enjoy that much. So negative. I don't like being cold. Well... It is chilly. It, the weather in and the weather in Boston, Salem area was perfect the whole time we were there. I think we only got rained on yeah. one day, and it was in the all day though mid fifties mm-hmm. about every day. So it was very comfortable. Um, so anyway, we flew and I in. almost didn't bring a jacket. Yeah, I was glad that I told you to bring your heavy coat, your heavy raincoat before we left. I was like, it's going to rain one of these days. I said you're going to need something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Although I did take the liner out, so it wasn't quite as warm. But it kept me dry, so that helped. Yeah, it helped. (laughs) 
So anyway, our anniversary is in August, and this was our anniversary trip trip for this year because I had really got burned out on going to the beach. I think we have been to the beach five times in 2021. and Yeah, it was really nice, wasn't it? I like the beach just as much as the next person, but I I can only handle so much sand. So um, I, I was pretty burned out going to the beach, and so I brought this idea up to Mallory about four or five months ago and said, hey, Instead of going to the beach again, why don't we do something spooky? Because we both like horror movies. We yeah. like Halloween. And I said, why don't we take a trip to Salem, Massachusetts? And we did not know that in 2020, they had told people not to come to Salem. They said, we are closed. Do not show up. There will be nothing for you to do. Do not come up here. Yeah. Every year, it's apparently like this huge thing where tons of people from all over come and they dress up. Like every every time they're there all throughout the year, not just on Halloween, which is interesting and cool. And so when we got there this year, people said, oh, the place is going to be packed. It and, was. And it was. It was shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. There were a lot of people there, a lot of people dressed up all three days mm-hmm. that we were there. So um, like we said, we drove up on Thursday uh, in, I call it the Batmobile in the Kia that we, that mm-hmm. we rented because it was solid black. And uh, we tried to find a place to park. No parks. The only thing available was like a $60 per day parking spot. And I said, I'm not paying $60 to park the rental car. That's Mm -hmm. just insane. So on that Thursday, we actually drove all the way to Gloucester and saw some really cool stuff. And um, we had just watched The Perfect Storm because Mm -hmm. I knew we were getting ready to go up there. And it was only a couple of minutes away from where that uh, story takes place. And it's actually a real story. We saw the actual names at the Fisherman Memorial. Yeah, it was really cool. They had... um what was it called? The Fisherman's Memorial? Yep. Well, and they had that, and then they had like six different plaques. All of them but two had names of people that had died at sea on fishing trips and stuff for Massachusetts fishing people. Yeah, I think it dated back all the way into like the eight, the early 1800s or yeah. almost the 1700s from when Gloucester was established as a uh, a fisherman's community. And I think the worst year they had, what did it say, like 500-something? Um, I don't remember that, but I remember that they had like 1,500 people in total from whatever that first year they started recording all the way until 2000 and what was it, like I think one? It was one, yeah, when the, uh, when the plaque was erected, the uh, park was erected in uh, 2001, mm-hmm. which was 10 years after... The perfect storm storm. thing. And they had, this was really cool. They actually had some people had put like pumpkins and different little things and they left them for part of the crew from that 1991 wreckage. I don't know what you would call that. Uh, I think they're lost at sea. I don't think they were ever found. So they, um, they were just lost at sea. I mean, Mm -hmm. as that movie depicts, I mean, they were trying to. It was for David. Was it David Sullivan? Yeah, David Sullivan. Sullivan. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool because you wouldn't think that people would still be like mourning people that are on this plaque. But if you think about it, 1991 was only 30 years ago. Yeah, it's not it's not that long ago. Nope. So um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, another side sidebar before we get into the more spooky stuff. The seafood. Mallory is not a big seafood person. Uh, it kind of no, messes I'm not. with her. Yes, I'm allergic. David says I'm not, but I'm allergic. Aren't I? 
Well, I mean, if you eat it, you throw up. So I guess technically that's. And I still got sick one time this trip because um, basically I think it was cross-contamination. So normally I don't eat fried stuff whenever seafood is on the menu, but I really wanted some chicken tenders. So I got them thinking it would be okay because it was more of a fine dining establishment and I got sick that night. So rookie mistake for me. I will not be eating fried food ever again in a sea town. Well, I ate all the fried food, and I thought it was great. Um, I had shrimp in Gloucester and at this place called the uh, Causeway Restaurant, mm-hmm. right? No, just Causeway. Just Causeway? Mm-hmm. And or the Causeway. The Causeway. It was really good. It was tiny. It looked like a very local spot. All of the uh, it was people really that good. were in this establishment looked like they worked construction or they were, mm-hmm. you know, not that there's anything wrong with day laborers, but that's, they looked like they were hardworking people and the place was packed. They definitely picked a good restaurant. I had the biggest bowl of mac and cheese I've ever laid eyes on. It was delicious. I had to take like half of it home, but then I don't eat leftovers and we didn't have any forks. So I had to throw it away, which was really sad. And it was good. I tasted some of it. It had very thick cheese sauce, like at least two or three different cheeses in it. And it was massive, like she said. It, I, how big was that bowl? I mean, it oh, was, it was at big least six head. inches, a six-inch bowl. Yeah. And it was filled. I mean, and it was filled to the top. Like they put as much mac and cheese mm-hmm. in this dish as humanly possible, and then it was baked yeah. in that bowl. Mm-hmm. It, it it must have been like a million degrees when it came out of the oven. Yeah, it was pretty hot. Are you glad I didn't make you try it when it was hot? Yes. <laughs> so a little backstory on that. One of the first trips that we ever uh, took together, we drove all the way to Nashville, and we went to this place called McFadden's, and I don't think it's actually there anymore. I think no, it's I think closed it's down. Closed. And uh, we had spent pretty much the whole day there, and we'd, we'd driven there from Western Carolina, and we weren't going to stay the night. We were going to drive back. And so we were eating dinner, and I really wanted some uh, pecan pie. Mm-hmm. and McFadden's had pecan pie on their menu, and I said, hey, I'm going to get me a piece of pecan pie. And, they, and Mallory and her friend were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I ordered a piece, and the— They brought two. Yeah, the server brought us two, and he says, I forgot to ask you, did you want it hot or did you want it cold? And he said, so I di- so since I didn't ask, I just brought you both. Yep, and I took the hot one and cut off a piece, and I put it in David's mouth and said, here, taste this. Didn't blow on it. No, I didn't know it was that hot. It wasn't steaming, but like the jelly stuff in it was lava, basically. It, it coated the whole inside of my mouth, and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> I tasted rubber for at least a month. It was it was so hot, and there's nothing I could have could do to cool it off. And I literally thought that the inside of my mouth was going to melt, like my brain was going to be turned into <laughs> lava. It was terrible. <laughs> So when she gets something extremely hot and she goes, do you want to try this? I always say no. I just, I'm like, nope, not going there. I'm not going to have the inside of my mouth burned that way again. But the causeway was very good. Uh, I had fried shrimp and uh, French fries with coleslaw and it was, it was very good. Um, The food the whole time was good. We ate Mm -hmm. at a lot of good restaurants. Uh, The causeway in Gloucester, we did the antique table twice. Yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, It was like a, authentic italian cuisine mm-hmm. i think you had bolognese the first time both times both times <laughs> yeah when i find something i like and i want to go back to it i get the same thing it was delicious both times 
We did have Mystic Pizza. We went to Mystic, Connecticut. Yeah, the last that day was we were fun. there. Mm-hmm. And I will say that that pizza was oh, it was so good. Some of the best pizza that I've ever had. Yeah, it had the perfect crust. I don't know about y'all, but I like my crust to not be too thick, but also not thin. And I like it toasted on the bottom. And this was like perfect. Plus, my favorite is pepperoni. Basic, I know, but I will never not get pepperoni. And oh, I was like in heaven. The the phrase is literally a slice of heaven. Well, they are correct. It was so good. And we don't have pizza like that around here. The only thing that I could equate it to was the way that Pizza Hut used to be with the crust. Now, when it was really good. Their crust was similar to how the old Pizza Hut used to be when Pizza Hut was actually good. Pizza yeah, Hut like the pan, now is... The pan crust yeah. or whatever. And Pizza Hut now is garbage. Like, I don't like going to Pizza Hut. Though sometimes, if I want a greasy piece of pizza, I know that I need to go to Pizza Hut. Well, I mean, if I'm going to choose to do pizza, like from a chain place, I'm going to go Little Caesars. Yeah, Little Caesars. Because for the for the amount of money that you spend and for the quality of pizza, is it actually pretty good? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't dislike the Little Caesars. Um, but anyway, Mystic they had their own sauce, mm-hmm. and it was extremely delicious, mm-hmm. uh, very fresh. Yeah, and um, the restaurant, had a good cheese pull. Yeah, the restaurant was decorated with. Like all sorts of pictures from the Mystic Pizza movie. And on the menu, it says the pizza. There's a little slogan is the pizza that made the movie famous, not the other way around, which that's, I thought that's was That's right, cute. because that restaurant has been there before. Since 1973, I think. So after we, uh, the other little thing that I wanted to touch on about Mystic was we went to one of the graveyards there. Mm-hmm, it was beautiful. And it was very beautiful. We took a lot of pictures. I think Mystic was probably one of the most beautiful places that we went. Yeah. On this trip, and I would go back to that area just, just to, to go back out. to Mystic. Um, they had this whole, uh, you know, Green Brothers. Was it? Was it the Green Brothers? The Green Greens, not Greensville. Something with a. Oh, what was it? I can't. Greenman. Really, might have been. Anyway, there was three sets of brothers there, and they're the ones that opened the shipyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Set of three brothers. What did I say? Three sets of three brothers. Three sets of brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's six people. Uh, no, but uh, there was a set of brothers there. There were three of them. They started a shipping yard, um, and they kind of built that town, basically. Um, Greenmansville. That's right. That's what it was. The Greenman brothers. And it was it was really cool to see. They have a lot of the old buildings there. Mm-hmm. And it they was like a little historic walkway where you can walk down these houses and see like who built what and they all lived beside each other and i found my house it was pretty it was green which is my favorite color it looked kind of like not your traditional new england house it was kind of southern looking it had an iron gate in front of it that they said was added in like the 1860s and then it had this nice detailing around the porch Mm -hmm. with um i don't know what you would call that shape it was kind of like the new orleans yeah, Fertilise, that type but of thing. But it wasn't that. Yeah, it looked very similar to that. So anyway, enough about uh, the ancillary places that we traveled. Mm-hmm. Let's get into Salem and what we thought of that. So mm. first impression, like in my mind when I thought of Salem, I thought it was going to look similar to Halloween Town from the Disney movie. I've never seen that movie. It's pretty good. It's worth watching at least a couple times. I'm a hocus pocus gal. 
Hocus Pocus is set in Salem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were so many Sanderson sisters walking around. It was crazy. So many. So the first thing that we really did is we went to the Gallo Hills. Yeah. And we did their main show or their main event. Mm-hmm. And it kind of laid out a little bit of the history of the city, but it didn't. It To me, it was good. It was a good theatrical performance. Yeah, it was entertaining. But for me, it didn't give me enough history to where I felt like it was served well enough for me to know exactly what the story of Salem was. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Salem was first established by a settler in, what was it, 16? I've got it on my shirt. 1626. And that's when the city was first established. And it actually was a a seaport city, and they Mm -hmm. had a customs building. And they would bring all of these different ships in and unload things for the area. And they had a very strong uh, ship, you know, mercantile style economic system there in that city and it they were often booming in the early 1600s but it was controlled by a very uh what is it puristan uh protestant style just very religious people there in the 1600s i guess Mm -hmm. you could say and so how the whole witch thing got started is you know witches aren't real they they've been fictionalized over time and you know, a lot of people are going to Salem and they're going, oh, the rich witches were, you know, were real and they burned people at the stakes and all this other stuff. And that's not actually what happened. Mm-hmm. So what happened is, is they, they, the daughters of this city, because of their religious beliefs. They were bored. They had to stay in their houses and clean and cook and they couldn't play outside. Yeah, they couldn't do normal things that other, you know, like guard child, like children now. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the the liberties to do that. Uh, the boys got to go and play outside. Yeah, but the little, the girls were not. They were expected to stay indoors and be good and not cause mischief and yep, very isolated style of uh, of living. And so what happened is, is these young girls would get together. And yep, and make up stories. Make up stories about people. Yep, especially other women. Yep, that they were mad at or, you know, they had a vendetta against her. Who was the little, and well, they were young too, though, because that little one, what was her name, Ann Putnam? She's the one yes. that kind of started it. I forgot what she said about. I think it started, I think it started with uh, Sarah Good and mm. Rebecca Nurse. They call it spectral evidence is what the, what the term is. And that that basically means nothing. Like they didn't have any concrete evidence mm-hmm. for any of the claims. And so, you know, Salem was founded in 1626. By 1629, they were these young girls who were saying, I dreamed that Sarah Good or Hannah Nurse or these people came to me in my dreams and they were tormenting me and mm-hmm. they they're witches and they have spectral powers and they're really out to to get me or what did that one girl say in that show that they she ran a lot faster than humanly possible yeah yeah just a lot of stuff that is not doesn't make sense not possible um probably the most interesting story that was in the gallo hills was about the 
uh, old lady that people depicted to be a witch. Mm-hmm. And these men were leaving to go on a sea voyage to go fishing. And the old lady was on the seashore and she cackled and laughed at them and said that death would come to them all. And they get out to sea a number of miles away from the mainland. And then this crow starts bothering the vessel <laughs> and cackling at them the same way that the old her. woman did. And they thought it was her. And they tried to, the in the theatrical show, the guy says, we tried to shoot the crow, but all of our shots just kept going through it. And he says, then I remembered that witches can only be killed by silver. And he says, I took off my silver mm-hmm. button and fashioned it into a bullet. And I shot the crow and it hit it in the leg and it, cawed and cackled and then flew off and then once we returned we found out that the old lady had died from a leg wound and then they and so that her they body. took the bullet out of her leg and it was the man's Silver coat button. jacket yeah. button and that's just a, that's just an old wives tale that was in the in the gallo hills main story but i thought that one was pretty entertaining that was entertaining and i was like that that's a good story But um, that doesn't line up with what the true history of Salem was because these young girls started bringing charges against these -hmm. different people that were were not true and could not be proved. And so it just turned into a bunch of he said, she said. and But they still got hanged for it. Before you know it. There were like 16 of them, including two men. 20 of them, yeah. Oh, well, I was close. 20. And And one man got pressed to death. Yeah, his name, um, Giles Corey Mm -hmm. was his name. And what's crazy is he was in his seventies when that mm-hmm. happened to him, and so when it, so when someone gets pressed to death, that's a when I first heard it, I was like, oh, did they just like squeeze him? Like I knew they probably squished him, but what they did is they dug a hole and they put a piece of uh, they fashioned like a a base made out of wood, and then they put him on that base and then put another piece of wood on top of him that fit in the hole perfectly. So now he's perfectly sandwiched in between these two pieces of wood. And every day they would add a giant rock or boulder Mm -hmm. to the top of this, you know, pit that they had made with him in it. And trying to get him to confess. Yeah. And that's exactly what the torture system was meant to do was try to get him to confess to being a witch because his wife had been, labeled as a witch Mm -hmm. and they wanted him to confess and say that she was a witch and that he was a witch and they were both witches and then they would condemn them and throw them in prison. But he stood by his wife and said, no, she's not a witch. We've been married for 50 something years. I can attest that my wife's not a witch. And they said, well, then you're a witch. (laughs) And they put him in the press and he, um, if he would have confessed so this was in uh, when we went to the Salem Witch Museum. This is where we heard this story. And this is actually true. It was said that he was a very wealthy man. He had made a lot of money in the Salem area, and he had relatives. And if he would have confessed to being a witch, they would have stripped him of all of his materials, mm-hmm. and they would not have been handed down as inheritance to his uh children and grandchildren and so he was really in a tough spot and so he decided that he was not going to confess and he shouldn't have anyway because he was not a witch and so for i think it was what six or seven days Mm -hmm. they would come outside and put another rock on him and ask him to confess and the only thing he would say is more weight yep more weight what a man yeah he was a a man of true conviction i guess he was not going to confess and they were some big rocks in that picture that they showed us i mean boulders at least yeah 100 pound 
Oh, for sure. 150 pound rocks. I mean, mm-hmm. and they I can't imagine, I can't imagine being, you know, pressed to death. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're basically just suffocating. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause you, your body's just being smushed and you can't breathe. Yep. But um, that went on for a couple of years and they actually threw a lot of people in prison mm-hmm. and they just left them there. Yeah, because didn't they say that they had to um, pay? Yeah. While they were, they had to pay the prison or government or whatever it was. Their court costs. Every day while they were in jail and they didn't have any money anyway. Like what was, what they, was even a the A lot point? of them ended they up They just died there because they couldn't get out. Because they couldn't get out. They couldn't pay their um, costs. I think there was one woman that they said that her family kept writing to the Salem uh, prison to let her out and that she was not a witch. And eventually after, I think it was 10 plus years, they finally saved up enough money to pay off all of her debts. But then she, she died. Was released, but before no, she, she was died. released, she died in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, she didn't make it out. No. And so this whole obsession. Um, oh, only, and then there was that one. Was this the crow lady where they tri- they tied her up because they thought that her soul was escaping her body? So they thought chaining her up would keep her soul That inside. was Rebecca Nurse. Yeah. Trial was really strange, too, because she was, she was in her late 80s when they tried her, and she was almost blind and deaf. She could not hear very well. Yeah. And they had and like a— she was a, so exasperated by— yeah, this is the like a trial, trial or mm-hmm. that she couldn't even defend herself. They said, or she did it the first time, but then she had to be retrialed, and then she was so tired she literally didn't say a word. And they they acquitted her the first time. Yeah, and then some of the other townspeople brought forth. They said more spectral evidence, and she ended up going to prison. And I think she died in prison. And they they thought that she was astral projecting or still Mm -hmm. you know doing witchcraft and leaving her body so they decided to tie her up to try to keep her from doing (laughs) that so which doesn't make any sense because if your spirit is leaving your body then chains or ties are not going to keep your spirit inside your body no it's just not going to happen not that that can happen anyway but or can it well i don't believe in witches i don't think i don't think that uh that is very true. So, like I said, I don't, I don't really believe in witches. I don't think that those people were actual witches. Um, it was interesting. Well, to, and this was after all the witch trials over in Europe, too. Correct. Yeah, and so in it Europe, was they, up. they had before this had happened in Europe, they had pretty much outlawed people being tried for witchcraft mm-hmm. because people in in England were like, "This is bogus. We can't." keep doing this and mm-hmm. so america was a little bit behind on the times and so this obsession didn't last that long it was only a matter of about 10 or 15 years that this mm-hmm. went on but at the initial beginning of it between um the beginning of 1629 and about 1630 is when those 20 people were were hanged or mm-hmm. pressed to death and so that's really where our you know verb witch hunt comes mm-hmm. from because it was it was a group of people going after something that wasn't real i mean they right. were going after witches that didn't exist and so that's really where that phrase comes from and it's used in many instances today you know the wicca they had a wicca thing there mm-hmm. at the salem witch museum which was pretty cool to see and it's just like any other new religious movement i mean mm-hmm. they just believe a different set of beliefs than, say, Judeo or Christian or Islamic or Hindu or 
Buddhists or whatever they believe in. So it's, it was pretty interesting to see all of those things at the, at the witch museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They had, um, what was that place called? They didn't have anything there. I think a bank was on there now. Was it the actual hill that they were hung on? I think so. Called Gallo. Well, it was called Gallo Hill, but it was covered up, but I kind of wish we could have seen that as it was. I mean, a lot of Salem, I mean, of course, the the structures from 16, the 1620s are no longer there. A lot of the city has been modernized, but there Mm -hmm. still is the old town hall. They have the old town hall there. Yeah. They have the uh, cemetery. And at the cemetery, they have uh, 20 grave markers for the people that were hanged or pressed to death in the Salem witch trials. Mm -hmm. And those are really cool to go and see. And that's right beside a house called the witch's house, which was... um, it's a, it's an older style house. It's probably dates back to the 1700s. But it's not home, the witch house. But it's house. not the witch house. Exactly. It's just a replica yeah. of the witch house. In it, like in the ground there on the on the ground they have these giant stones and mm-hmm. there's etchings in the stones and um, it's phrases that those people that were being tried for witchcraft mm-hmm. said during their trial where they were pleading their innocence and someone said, "I am not guilty and nor will I confess to being a witch." And then the another one said, um, "I'm innocent, and God knows it." Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, these really people sad were to really persecuted over nothing, just because a group of teenage girls—well, not teenage girls, but girls from the ages of like—they were kind of young, like, like eight. eight to about thirteen—had gotten together and basically said, "That lady is a witch," mm-hmm. and the community was just—they ran with it. with it, and they just went and and started hanging people. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. So, not to be Debbie Downer, but that's not all that we experienced at Salem. Uh, like we said, the food was great. Uh, oh, probably yeah. the best thing that we ate that was in Salem beside the antique table was the goodnight fatty cookie. Oh, yeah, that was good. I don't even eat cookies, y'all. I don't eat sweet stuff. Well, I don't eat much sweet stuff. but I Dr. Pepper. Okay, well, that's not a dessert. But I do not eat cookies, like ever. Well, maybe one. The sweet bat or soft batch cookies. Those are my those are my jam. Yeah, the Keebler. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I literally don't eat any cookies. And we were in the shop, and there was only what three different types of cookies. And I also don't eat chocolate, even though I just said I, I eat the soft batch cookies. However, this one cookie was the fruity pebbles cookie, and it was like a sugar cookie with fruity pebbles in it. And some white chocolate. And I didn't think I would like it, but because I was there and, you know, I had to order something, I got that and I devoured it. It was so good. It was good. And, and it was hot. And these cookies were fresh out of the oven. And it was on our rainy day. So, like, that just, I don't know, that just made it even better for me. We had just gotten soaked. Like, yeah. we had just came out of the Salem Witch Museum. And when we were coming out, people were like, it is a downpour. Mm-hmm. And... Again, I was so happy that I'd convinced Mallory to bring her raincoat mm-hmm. because I had mine on already. And I said, well, we're already a little bit damp. We we need to go, you know, find something to eat anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's just go this way, get out of here. Like we're going to get wet no matter what we yeah, do. Yeah, and the good night fatties, it's like a little. It's kind of like a food truck, but it's It's kind of like a pop-up kitchen thing because. They're only open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I believe. And they're open all day, which is nice. But um, 
Yeah, they're not open full time. So they only have a limited amount of cookies. I think there were three or four on the menu. And they had like coffee and milk. And that was basically that was basically it. So it was right next to the Salem Witch Museum. So on the way we ran over there and then got some cookies. Which one did you get? I forgot. So I got the uh, Midnight Monster cookie, and it was a chocolate-based cookie, and then it had a little bit of peanut butter in it, and what was that? Something else was in it. It had a crunch, like a little bit of a crunch to it, but I don't think it was a pretzel. It was something else. I'm not sure. But it I was didn't good. read yours, because all I saw on most of the other ones was chocolate, 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 so. Well, yours had white chocolate in it, but it wasn't. Yeah, uh, and I tasted hers. It wasn't a uh, very chocolatey. It was. It was. It was pretty good. I thought the fruity pebbles one was good, and it had tasted more like a pebbles, sugar cookie uh, to me. The fruity pebbles gave it a nice like um, crunch, crunch kick thing. It had a nice. It had a nice taste. It was pretty solid. I could um, eat one right now. But it, it was strange. I thought that they would sell like water or hot chocolate or something, but yeah, I actually asked for hot chocolate, and because. Um, there wasn't a line and so I was looking over the menu and she was like hey what can I get you and I panicked and I was like I think I'll just have a hot chocolate and she's like we have coffee and I thought well I don't drink coffee so let me have I mean their menu was <laughs> only like five things they did yeah. milk coffee and then three types of cookies and that was it yeah which is which is pretty cool and and like we said it was really good um, definitely if you're there look them up so that was we did that on Saturday so that would have been the 30th of October so then on the 31st, we dressed up like Daphne and Fred. We did. Scooby-Doo. And I thought we looked great. I yeah. think uh, she posted our picture in the Things to Do in Salem mm-hmm. Facebook page, and it's got almost 300-something likes. And a lot yeah. of people said that they saw us. Mm-hmm. So, Which is very interesting. I feel bad because I don't remember any of these people, but we saw a ton of people. Oh, there and were there were people there. a lot of duplicated costumes. Like we ran into... Gosh, I don't know, four or five different sets of Daphne's and Fred's. and There was a lot of uh, Velma's and Shaggy. Scooby Doo is always um, Scooby Doo's popular think, anyway. A popular Halloween costume anyway. I didn't um, want to wear a wig. Well, you shouldn't. So, I mean, you have red hair. You're perfect well, for Daphne. I know. That's why I picked a redheaded costume couple thing so that I wouldn't have to wear a wig. So who else did we see? I think, well, who was your favorite person that you saw? You probably know who my favorite person was that I saw. Oh, yours was Doug Demodome. Yep. Owner of the Dimsdale Demodome. He didn't get, that guy had a really good outfit. His hat, like, in it the, was tall. And, you know, in Fairly Odd Parents, Doug Demodome's hat is really big. And this guy had a top hat and it was at least like, at least 10 feet, 10 feet tall. I don't know how he kept it on his head. Well, it was made out of styrofoam. Oh, and well. when he was walking around, he would hold on to his hat. But uh, this guy looked the part. I've got a picture mm-hmm. of it on, uh, I think it's on my Facebook page if you guys want to go look at it. But he was he was there basically all day. Like mm-hmm. we saw him when we first got there and he was, he walked around yeah. pretty much all night. Well, they have a lot of street performers. I don't think he was one of those, but they have these street performers that dress up and they're there every day is like their job. So there was that one guy, he walked on stilts. I don't know what he was with the he mask. Had like, the, the, the mask was not the nun mask. The mask looked like it was from that movie The Town with Ben Affleck in it where they rob the bank and they mm-hmm. dress up as the nuns and they wear that mask. Yeah, and he was wearing like this long black thing and red shoes for his stilts. 
you know, he just would pose with people and they would take, take pictures. pictures and do little interactions and stuff. And there were a bunch of them. There was a Michael Myers. There was a Chucky There person. was a Freddy Krueger. I didn't really see a scream or a ghost ghost face impersonator no. doing that. There was a set of clowns, and one of them was on stilts yeah. and had a big hammer. Oh, they were freaky and looking. They, they were a little freaky looking. Um, there was the guy on the unicycle. that yeah. The unicycle was dressed up like a unicorn. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He was struggling going uphill oh, when yeah. I saw him. Um, of course, I, think, I would be too. I don't even think I could ride a unicycle. That's very hard. I've never tried, but it scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bust my teeth out. Then there was that group of four women that were dressed up as witches and they had all of the LED lights yeah, all over them. They were pretty. They were. And they got really stopped, nice like costumes. so we were sitting at a church on the steps. It had gotten kinda late and we were getting ready to go eat supper and uh waiting for our reservation, like Mallory said. And these ladies just walked up. They were gonna go into Salem for the night, I guess, and they had all their lights on and they were dressed up as their witches and they maybe made it a total of 150 yards in like 45 minutes because people just kept stopping them and like taking pictures with them, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. And of course, every time they stopped, people would gather around. So other people thought that, you know, it was something major that they needed to take a picture of. I'm sure they were tired of it. Well, but they should have known though. Yeah. I mean, their costumes were Mm -hmm. really, really good. They were really good. Yeah. But they weren't part of the street performer people. Although we got got asked to take our pictures. So we got asked, I guess it was about five or six times Mm -hmm. we got stopped and we took pictures with other people that Mm -hmm. were dressed as Fred and Daphne or um, they were dressed as Velma and Shaggy. Yeah, or some just wanted our pictures. Yeah. Which was very interesting. I guess it's because we were like real life looking Daphne and Fred. I guess so. I mean, we were pretty close. I thought our Mm -hmm. costumes looked looked pretty good. Um, Oh, the goat lady. Forgot about the goat lady. Oh, yeah, like the devil lady. Yeah, she didn't look like the devil. She just had a goat, like a mm-hmm. devil mask on that had horns, and it looked like mm-hmm. a goat, and it was white. And then she She's had on a, a nice dress. A pretty, I think it had cherries on it, like a yeah. kind of like a 1950s fluffy skirt, kind of like the poodle skirt style. Not that it looked like a poodle skirt, but it had like the crinoline underneath, and it, yeah, it just kind of like a pinup. She had gloves on, too. Yeah, well, they were like little kid gloves, so they just covered up her hands. But anyway, she was holding this book, and so I went up to her, and she doesn't talk. Well, she did talk to me a little bit, but I went up to her, and I said, is this the book of the devil? And she just kind of looked at me and then slowly nodded, and I said, well, can I sign it? And she slowly nodded again, and I think it was really cool because she was getting basically autographs from just random People. people. And so we took our picture signing the book, and she told me she liked my hair. And that's the only thing she said to me. Otherwise, she was kind of creepy with her head movements. But, you know. She had a good costume. Yeah, she did. I think that's... I like Doug Demodome mm-hmm. and then her. Yeah, I liked and her. And those were probably my top two favorite ones that I saw. Um, there was a guy walking around dressed up like a devil in priest's clothes. Oh, gosh. And he had he a was big creepy sign looking. and it said, free hugs from Satan, yeah. which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um there was a guy dressed up. Uh, if you guys listen to like super heavy metal music, uh, there's a band called Ghost, and their front man, um, whoever the front man is, I don't know his name. They're a Swedish band, but the front man he plays a part called uh, Father Papatmos or something of that nature. And there was a guy there dressed up like him, <laughs> and he had all the ghost stuff on. And I passed and was like, "Hey man, really love Ghost." And he kind of looked at me funny, and I was like. 
you can't be telling me you're dressed up as the front man from Ghost and you don't even know who Ghost is. You just picked this because it was creepy looking. I don't know who Ghost is. Well, I I know. I'm just saying I don't, I, I, know. I don't listen to that kind of music. Well, he had the Ghost like he had like they have these like their logo or whatever for their mm-hmm. band. He was wearing like a sash with their Ghost logo on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean Oh, well. I was like, man, cool ghost outfit. Like, I love it. Love the band. And he just was like, huh? But also that brings me to say that everyone was really nice. They were. Like, you could stop people and take pictures with them, and they just stop and pose for a second, or, you know, asking where the line ended or anything like that. They were just nice. And it was just a cool atmosphere as Mm -hmm. well, because it— Everyone was just there having a good time. Yeah. It wasn't like um, super pushy or, you know, mm-hmm. well, you got to do this, you got to do that. It, people were just there hanging out, dressed yeah. up in costumes, just, you know, doing Laid their back, best thing. People yeah. watching. It was really cool. I think it would be really fun. If you've never been, um, I would suggest, if you want the historical side of it, I would suggest going not during Halloween yeah. so you can get you tickets won't to get everything. Tickets. We missed a couple things because we literally could not get tickets to it. Yeah, they were sold out. And one thing to note is that a lot of these places start selling tickets the night before at midnight. So we the reason why we got into the Witch Museum was basically because I waited up until like 1 o'clock to get tickets for it. To one of the, probably one of the last showings of the day. It was later in the mm-hmm. evening. Um, but it was worth it. I yeah, mean, it was really It was really good. Uh, which museum? I would definitely recommend that. Good night, mm-hmm. fatties. Would recommend that. Oh, we uh, did take the trolley tour with Black Widow Mary, and she was super she was funny. Good. Yeah, it was definitely more of a comedic kind of haunted. She did tell some spooky stories though, yeah. which were good. And uh, they took us all the way out to uh, one of the little Winter's Island. Is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, one of the little uh, nature preserve type mm-hmm. campgrounds there, and it was it was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because we also got to drive around and see some stuff. Um, the ropes museum. Oh, that was one of my favorite parts because for the first time since they made the Hocus Pocus movie, and if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But also if you have seen it, the ropes museum is the house that they used for Allison's house. And so this Halloween was the first time that they had decorated it like they had it in that movie. It was really cool. Now in the movie though, they didn't have the, um, all the orange lights in the windows, but they had the gates decorated with the pumpkins and all those things in the walkways. And then they had like the little candles in the windows and it was really cool. We went two okay. different times. Well, we went three different times in total, but once when we weren't dressed up and then the second day we went when we were dressed up and then we went back to see it lit up at night. I think we got our picture taken in front of it at least four times. Yeah. Three or four. It was very, it was very cool to see that. Also, I really liked the witch house, not to be confused with the witch house that we talked about that's by the cemetery, but it was an all black house and it was gorgeous. Yeah, it is very cool. Very cool place. That's another place you can get tickets to go into, but we missed it because we didn't. They were sold out like a week in advance. Yeah. Like the amount of people. So, and I know that we're saying that there was a lot of people here. This is how many people were there. On Halloween, we tried to get on the train. To go to Salem. We could the not. The train stopped. Go. The doors opened. No one got off. No one got off. The conductor said, the Y'all train can't is get full. On. 
Mm-hmm. Bye bye. And there was at least fifty people standing on the platform mm-hmm. to try to get onto the train to go yeah. to Salem. And so that was just we had to punt and we ended up taking a lift. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that far from where we were it was to like 20 Salem. Minute it was like a twenty minute drive. Ride, so it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. But uh and, and and our lift wasn't that expensive. Now what was crazy and this is really the only stressful part of this whole trip for me. I was worried that we were going to get stuck in Salem and miss the train to go back. And when I was looking at the lifts to go from Salem back to where our hotel was, they were at least $60. Yeah. That that was the the starting price. It was like Mm -hmm. 60, 70 bucks. And then it went all the way up to like 150. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're going to, I'm not paying $150 for a 20 mile lift. Like that's just, that's nuts. But luckily we saw the fireworks. Yeah, I didn't want to miss. I yeah. love fireworks, y'all. Love them. David love could them leave them. Good. Yeah, David could take them or leave them, but I love them. But anyway, so we saw those, and that was really nice because I thought I was going to miss them. But they actually sent them off, set them off at the train station where we were waiting in line. Yeah, and it actually it worked it, out really it, great. It really we had nice. a great view. Anyway, can we tell our ghost stories now? Yeah, I was getting ready to say that really the only thing left in that area that we did that. Um, we didn't really mention was the Hammond Castle. Oh, yeah. Well, that really was in cool, Gloucester. That was in Gloucester. Um, so it was a medieval castle that was finished in the 1920s. And it 1929 has... 1929 yeah, was when this one was built. And it has the continental United States' largest organ built into the Great Hall. And um, when you look at it, there's these pipes up at the top. But they're they're, fake. But they're fake. And the pipes are actually built into the Great Hall. And the lady said um, that one of the pipes, the biggest pipe there, or the longest pipe there, is 32 feet long and about the width of your pinky, which is, that is a massive organ pipe. And a really high note. Yeah. But that that was pretty cool. Um, That was really kind of the last thing that we did in that area. So, in previous episodes, we've talked about the Arnold House and... That yeah. house is in Rhode Island. We rode out to it. It was only we about... We didn't hardly see yeah. any of it. It was very interesting. The um, The whole perimeter of the property, minus the barn, was surrounded by barbed wire and fences and security camera signs. So, And there was nowhere to pull off, so they really don't want you poking around. No. And, and for good reasons. I yeah. mean... If you've listened to the other episode that we did with uh, Craig Messer and I, I I really explain, you know, what happened in that house and how the movie differs from actual accounts of people that have lived there. And there's a couple other YouTube videos that you can watch. Uh, Sam and Colby from the Explorers Club, Mm -hmm. um, they've done two episodes on it. And it's very interesting, the things that they have found out from uh, just staying the night in that place. And so when we were driving up to it, um, I didn't really feel any differently. I didn't, you know. Well, I, it doesn't I, I probably, look eerie at all. No. It's just a house in the woods. And I and I knew that we probably weren't going to get to go up to it. So my expectations for, for that were very low. Mm-hmm. But we actually drove by it. I actually saw it. It was on a gorgeous street. Yeah. In the, right across the line. Right across the uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island line. And... We drove by it. We saw it. We drove by it twice because we were trying to find a spot to take a picture. I did take a picture, but you can't hardly see anything. So, No. 
It was worth seeing, though. I'm, I'm glad we drove by it. So then the next thing that we did is we had tickets. To the Lizzie Borden house. Yep. In Fall River, Massachusetts. Yeah. And it's a bed and breakfast, so you can actually go and spend the night in some of their rooms. Ooh. So do you want to explain a little bit about the, uh, about the Bordens? No, but I want to tell my ghost story. So anyway, I'll explain a little bit about the Bordens <laughs> since Mallory won't give you a little, prime the pump a little bit. So uh, Falls River is in southeastern Massachusetts. It's a, uh, not a port town, but very close to mm-hmm. a couple of major ports. And it's right across the line from Rhode Island. And this particular city was founded as a great textile mm-hmm. uh, city. They manufactured cotton. Yes. Now, I don't know if they grew it because, you know, North Carolina is known for they grew cotton, cotton growing. Area. I think it was just but, a textile. Yeah, to process place. it. So they process a lot of cotton. It was, um, I think our tour guide said in the 1800s, early 1900s, it was one of the wealthiest cities in the entire world. Mm-hmm. It had a lot, it had a lot going for it, in other words. Mm-hmm. A lot of small businesses. Yep. And Lizzie Borden's father who lived there, mm-hmm. his name, what was his name, Arthur? That or Andrew. It started with an A. But they, the whole Borden family was a very prominent family in that area, way before Andrew or... It is Andrew, Andrew Borden. Yeah. So Andrew Borden was a prominent banker in the Fall River community. And Lizzie Borden and her other sister, whose name escapes my mind at the moment, um, had another mother. And... They were married, Lizzie Borden, uh, well, Sarah, Sarah and Andrew were married and they had, uh, Emma Borden and then, uh, Lizzie Borden were the two sisters. Mm -hmm. Sarah Borden died and then Andrew Borden married Abby Borden, but they lived in this little house on 92nd street in Fall River and in the year of what was it? I'm trying to remember, trying to get my dates right. I'm not good with the dates, so I'm not. It was August 4th of 1892. So, in August 4th of 1892, Andrew Borden left the bank as he usually did. And we actually walked the streets the same way that Andrew Borden would. Uh, he went back home. All the doors were locked to his house. He couldn't get inside. He knocked on the doors a couple of times, and finally, the maid let him in. Maggie, and uh, he went inside and he said, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to shut my eyes for a minute and take a nap. And he laid down at about 11, 11 a.m. And, on the couch in the living room. Yep, and that was the last nap that he ever took. Someone came into the house and murdered him with a hatchet-typed object, they're not really sure. Uh, they struck him in the face. Like about, literally in the yeah. face. 19 times. His face looked like hamburger. We saw yeah, some, we saw some autopsy, autopsy photos, pictures. and he, he is unrecognizable as a human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the only thing that you can make out is it's the bottom of chin his chin because with his beard. He had a beard. And he hit one of his ears. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. I mean, other than that, his whole face is just gone. Mangled. So that happens. Lizzie finds her father. She runs outside calls for the doctor by the time the doctor gets there he's dead the neighbor well, hears I think all the he commotion. was already dead oh, he was definitely <laughs> dead the neighbor hears all the commotion uh, miss churchill does uh, what did she say miss churchill miss churchill comes outside and says lizzie what's wrong and 
Oh, what did she say? Miss Churchill, I think someone's killed father. Yes. That's what Miss Churchill says. So they <laughs> no, come that's inside. what Lizzie said. Yeah, that's what Lizzie says. And then so they come inside with Miss Churchill, and then the uh, maid is there as well. And they're trying to, you know, figure out what happened. And all while Mrs. Lizzie, Borden is yeah. dead upstairs. Well, they too. keep asking Lizzie, where is where's uh Abby? Mm-hmm. And Lizzie says, Oh, she went to visit someone. Mm-hmm. And so then Miss Churchill goes upstairs, and the way that the stairs are, when you go up the stairs, you look directly in to the guest bedroom where mm-hmm. their uh, cousin, John Morose, had been staying the night before. Uncle. Uncle, yeah. Well, That's Lizzie's right. uncle. Lizzie's uncle. So I guess he is a cousin. And he had been somewhere. staying there the night before. Out of the blue, just decided to visit. Yeah. And so when Miss Churchill went up to the top of the stairs, she could look in kind of at eye level with the floor and saw Abby Borden laying on the floor upstairs, and she had been killed. And with struck the same the type of um, yeah, weapon. She'd been struck in the head once in the front of the face. Yeah, and, and then, then like 17, 17 times, times in the, in the back, back of the head. Mm-hmm. So both of these people killed. Um, not a lot of evidence because the crime scene was really tampered with. Because a bunch of people came in neighbor-wise. And did who knows what before the police even got there. Well, the police, what was strange is that oh, the police were Oh, and they were, were deputizing their, people, uh, yeah, too. Yeah, the police was having their, like, big conference or, like, their picnic mm-hmm. or something that day. And they were actually out in Rhode Island instead of being in Fall River, Massachusetts. And so what happened was is they didn't have enough police force. And the policemen that were there started deputizing other people. Like regular people like you and me. Yeah, to keep people out of the boarding house, which, of mm-hmm. course, they did not do. And so all these people came into the house. They actually moved the bodies around. They did the autopsies in the house. Mm-hmm. A lot of just weird stuff took place. Lizzie Borden was actually put in prison for a hundred something days mm-hmm. before she was acquitted. Because they they suspected that she had killed her. They suspected her uncle as well. Did. But see, that's the thing. Like, I don't think that Lizzie, and we're going to get to this into a, in a minute. I don't think Lizzie killed them. I think it was. I think it was the uncle and the maid teamed up together. Well, that is plausible. And but Lizzie was in that house like the whole time. Yeah, but like we're going to get to in a minute. That house is different. Well, yeah. It's like the Arnold House. That house is very mm-hmm. similar to the Arnold House. And I guess we'll go ahead and explain this since we brought it up. There were cases where, even before this had happened, that there was a there was a robbery that took place in that house. Mm-hmm. And people were in the house, and the robbery took place, and they didn't and even know no the person idea. was there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of stuff that happened at the Arnold House where Andrea Perrin would say... We were in another room and something was attacking us and we would scream out for help and no, and one, could no one could hear us and no one would come to, to to help us. And then eventually it would relent and then people mm-hmm. would hear us screaming and they would come in and say, what's wrong? And it's like, I've been screaming for 20 minutes and you guys haven't helped me. So this house, I feel like, is very much like the Arnold family estate or the Perrin family home. And it has a lot of supernatural stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I know that you may be skeptical of this, but we had some very interesting encounters at this house, just me and Mallory ourselves. Is it ghost story time? And so it's ghost story time. Okay. So we're standing outside. 
There's a Lizzie Borden house, and then there's this yellow house right beside it. It was her aunt's house, Lizzie yes. Borden's aunt. Mm-hmm. And our tour guide, Phil, was talking to us and telling us stories about how their aunt wound up killing two of her kids in the cistern in the basement, basement under the house. Um, and she had one kid that died in infancy, and I don't remember why. But anyway, so... While we're standing out there, I'm beside some little trees. I hear stuff rustling in the trees. I turn around. Nothing is there. Now, mind you, it's like 745-ish. There's no wind, and like squirrels and birds, they're asleep for the night. So I turn around. Nothing is there. Turn back around to face Phil and listen to the stories, and they start happening again. I turn around. The noises stop. I do that for like, I don't know how many times you say think I turned around. Cause, Three or four times. Yeah. And then you started taking pictures that I didn't know about. But anyway, so that last time that I had turned around to look and the noises stopped, when I turned back around to pay attention to the tour guide, I felt something lightly pull my hair. It pulled my hair. So I turned around and I looked at David because he was standing not directly behind me, but a little, like, diagonally behind me. And so I asked him if he pulled my hair, and he said, no, he didn't pull my hair. And I didn't, honestly. I was standing over your right shoulder. And what I was doing there in this whole time, I heard stuff rustling in the leaves, too. And I had glanced over there a couple of times, and I thought it just must have been a critter because I was too obsessed with trying to take pictures. I wanted to take as many pictures as I could to try to catch some kind of evidence Mm -hmm. i guess you could say and he did did. and i didn't even know it so Um, on the ride home since this is still part of that story i start looking through all the pictures that he took and when we got to the ones that he took while i was standing next to there to that bush you can't see anything in just the picture but he took some live photos so i was looking at the live and you can see i kid you not a little girl you can't see her face but you can see like a period type dress moving around the bush like she was playing peekaboo with me. Yeah. And so, I, again, you, you're probably very skeptical about this. Mm-hmm. But I've looked at, I took about five or six of these pictures back they to back to back to back, the, to back to back. They all had the little girl in it. And not only one of them has the... No, there were three. There were three of them mm-hmm. that had it? Okay. So she's looked at the photos more than I have. But... In all of these instances, there's no way from the way that the streetlights were, there was no one over there. The tour group was all, I was the furthest furthest person to the back. There were two people behind me, but they were standing pretty much with their backs against the house. Mm -hmm. There were some Adirondack chairs over there, Mm -hmm. and that was it. There was nobody else over there. There was no one in the house across from us, and... I also thought that I had seen a flash of light in one of those windows at some point. In, that in house the aunt's com- house. In the aunt's house. And that house was completely dark. And Which like, someone else in our group said that they saw a flashlight well. or some kind of flash of light. And I went after our tour. I did ask our guide if people had accounted having like their hair pulled in that same area or if the kids had been known to play outside in that area and he confirmed yes he did and so creepy i heard stuff in the bush 
I also felt something about the time that you said your hair was pulled. I felt like somebody took their finger and like ran it up the right side of my <laughs> backbone a little bit, like mm-hmm. just ever so slightly. And I thought it was just the way that I was standing or like the way that my jacket was fitted on me at the mm-hmm. time. And I didn't really think anything of it, but those instances kind of line up together mm-hmm. with you getting your hair pulled, me experiencing a chill and a someone like running their finger up my mm-hmm. back. Also, we heard the stuff in the bushes. Nobody else really heard anything in the no, bushes. No, no one heard anything in the bushes. I definitely heard something in the bushes. Um, fast forward, we go through the whole the whole tour. Mm-hmm. We basically walk the same path that Andrew Borden did the day that he died. And then we come back to the house and we get the opportunity to go inside of the house. And there are mm-hmm. other guests that are on this tour that are going into the house as well that have EMF yeah, uh, detect- detectors, which detect electromagnetic uh, changes in electromagnetic mm-hmm. uh, sensitivity in different areas. And I will say that if you put these things up to like a, a, an electronic source, they will like a light switch, like they will go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I tested that for myself with one of them that we had. I stuck it next to the breaker box and the thing went bananas. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, um, we had we kind of milled around in the house like we we I took a ton of pictures inside the house. Um we actually took a picture of us, of me laying down on the couch like <laughs> I was Mr. Borden. I had my face yeah. smashed in, which was kind of fun. Um, but the whole time that we were really in there, minus the little experience that we had at the beginning, mm-hmm. I didn't really feel uncomfortable well, or, you know, like something was watching us or, you know, like my spirit was heavy, you know, something of that nature. We possibly caught an orb. We did. In one of our photos, too. It was right across my face. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we we go through all that stuff and we get a little bit more of the history and um, people start to leave. And for some odd reason, our we're tour guide kinda, really liked us. Yeah, it, well, I think it, it's because we participated probably. And we were just kind of hanging out. For some reason, we weren't in a big hurry to leave. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple other groups there that uh, I think it was a set of about five girls that had kind of stayed behind. Yeah. They weren't in a big hurry to leave either. And, you know, Mallory's just kind of talking to them a little bit. And we're mm-hmm. taking some more pictures. And they've turned this, again, they've turned this house that, you know, is apparently it has spiritual phenomenon happened in it from, you know, the things oh, we've talked about Oh, this is an interesting before. tidbit, too. The, um, so the kids that the aunt killed in the house next door, they like to play, obviously, in that yard. But they also like to stay in the Lizzie Borden house. And so people from all over actually bring them gifts to play with to try to, like, make them happy slash help them move on from this place place that they're in. And he said, or our tour guide said that the people that stay in the room where the kids mainly stay with the little toy box and stuff say that they do hear toys being played with and like stuff being moved and it's very little feet running yeah little feet running laughing like it's it's hilarious and well probably not hilarious if you're the one staying in that that room room. yeah but people have a lot of different accounts that have been recorded and apparently um they also like to play games if they like you which was very interesting because people that know me i don't necessarily like kids but i don't dislike kids so it was interesting that they would pick me to kind of play with i'm not necessarily play with but you know to try to get my attention you've said countless times to me before that you feel like you are more inclined to 
see spiritual things yes. or experience spiritual things, which I believe it. Um, I don't discount multiple occasions. Too many stories to tell right now, but so anyway, um, we're milling around. We're not really in a, in a big rush to leave, and mm-hmm. it's getting kind of late. It's about ten o'clock. Yeah, and we're like an hour away from our yeah. hotel. And and for some reason, we're just not in a big rush to leave. And so we start talking to these other this other group of uh, people that were there mm-hmm. that were touring the house. And one of the girls says, "Yeah, I've been holding this EMF meter all night, and, and it, it hasn't, hasn't really done anything. Gone off." And just me off the cuff, I'm just like, "Well." You have to think there's a ton of people in the house. And like, we've watched and a lot of different ghost hunting things recently anyway, because spooky season. And a lot of them say that if there are big groups of people, you're not going to pick up on hardly anything because they only want to come out with people that they halfway trust, sort of, yeah. and in small groups. So anyway, that you know, I, t- I told them, I said, yeah, there's a lot of people in here. They're probably, it, you know... There's a lot going on. They're not going to reveal themselves mm-hmm. just because there's a bunch of people in here. I said, you may have better luck if there's less people. And mm-hmm. there were people staying the night that night. Yeah, but they weren't up and exploring around. They and, were just uh, kind of hanging out. They were just kind of hanging out. So anyway, our tour guide, Phil. He comes back. He notices that we're kind of milling around. And he's he's a super nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's probably about our age, great, too. Um, tour guide. And he goes, hey. Do y'all want to see the basement? See the, exactly. <laughs> You keep cutting me off. <laughs> and I said, um, yeah, I do. So he uh, he's like, well, let me go back to the tour uh, to the tour uh, gift shop. He says, I got to check a couple people out. And he's like, let me check and make sure there's nobody staying down there because they mm-hmm. actually they converted in the basement to like a an area where you can sleep. And he goes, I don't know the why anybody would want to stay experience. down here. He's like, it is. It is the creepiest place in the house is in this basement. And it was. And it was. And so he goes and checks and he says, yeah, nobody's staying down there. He goes, I'm, he says, I'm waiting for everybody to leave anyway. He says, let's just go down there and I'll show you guys around. And the two girl or the, there was a group of three girls that were together and then a group of two girls together and they both had an EMF reader or detector. So that was really cool. And we walked down and he was telling us about what all happened in the different rooms because apparently one of Lizzie Borden's alibis was that she was going around the house looking for handkerchiefs to iron. And so she went downstairs or in the basement and was looking for handkerchiefs to iron. Plus they have their like laundry cauldron type thing. They wash all their clothes back in the early 1800s. Yeah, it was under the house. Kind of like it looked very similar to like a pizza oven, but with a wash pot thing yeah it was very interesting but anyway so that was one of the places that he showed us first and he was telling us that you could take if you take a picture standing straight on with the flash on you can see the shape of a face that is thought to be mr borden's face and you can yeah we took it we was, took pictures yeah. with the flash and we can definitely see it it was crazy and i looked with my flashlight because i do believe in spirits and stuff but i also am kind of skeptic about them as well and so I looked in there with my flashlight, could not see anything in the material because it was like a brick mortar type situation. Um, nothing in there that looked remotely like the shape of that face that was in that picture that I took. No. And so um, we kind of, before we went in there though, we had kind of milled around in that in that area right mm-hmm. below the steps. And one of the girls said, it feels like somebody's watching me. From mm-hmm. in that room in there, and there's nobody in there. No. Um, he then explained that 
they had picked up, like they had done, you know, investigations in the basement before. And he said that they had picked up um, Andrew Borden in the basement before. Mm -hmm. And then he explained to us that he had been there for so long on that couch and had been mutilated mm-hmm. in such a way that he had lost almost all of his blood. Yeah, and it seeped and it down seeped through the through the floor uh-huh. and into the ceiling of into the basement. Into the beams that you could see. Stained. Yeah, and you could see it. Yeah, there were two spots. So technically, he's he in the is he, he's in the basement. in the basement because they said he was confined to that room, yeah. that living room area, and couldn't people, leave. There are a lot of people who've done investigations, and they say that he's stuck in the room that he died in, but. If they've picked him up in the basement, it makes sense that if his blood traveled down through the baseboards, that his spirit is also stuck. He also said that they had picked up on a kind of like a bad spirit, not necessarily a demon, but a bad entity down there, too, that shows up every now and again. And a woman in a white dress. And sometimes the kids like to go down there and play, too. Yeah. And so anyway, the other two, the other two sets of uh, girls that we were with, again, the other two sets of girls that we were with, um, they had the EMF detectors. And when it was just the six of us down there. Can I tell this part? Yeah. Okay. So she had the little EMF detector and she literally pointed it in my direction. It went red, which means that it detects energy of some sort. And right at that same moment, my ears caught on fire. Not literally, but they got so hot. And I turned around real quick to David and I said, David, my ears are burning slap up. And he goes, yeah, I can tell something's wrong with you. It was weird. And then that stayed on. She held it towards me for, what, like 30 seconds? Yeah, it was a long time. And as soon as she, as soon as the, I guess the red went off on the thing, my ears like went back to their normal temperature. And it was cold down there. So I am hot natured, but. Was that in the, was that in the room that we went to that was in the back right? No, that, that was happened. in the first room. That was in the first room. Mm-hmm. Before we went so, into any of the other rooms. My ears didn't burn, but I could def- I felt very different. Like the whole tour that we went on, I felt it was normal, heavy like I normally do. There. And then we go down in the basement and I wasn't I didn't feel like I was being watched, but I just felt like there was something pressing on us, like like energy-wise, spiritual-wise. And so he's, again, Phil is showing us around. Great guide. Uh, can't mm-hmm. sing his praises enough. Um, great guy. And so he's showing us around, and he says, now this is typically where the the woman in white or the, mm-hmm. the aunt of Lizzie Borden that killed her children, he says her spirit. And for some reason, he says this house is like a, a magnet for spirits. And so there's mm-hmm. multiple spirits in this house that have nothing to do with the Bordens. But he says that typically... The aunt that it that killed her children, she resides in the basement in this corner mm-hmm. because it's near the cistern, and um, she actually killed herself in the basement of yeah. the other house as well. And so he says that she typically resides in that area of the basement. And so when we walked in there, um, I mean, all seven of us went into that room, and and there's nothing in that room. It's mm-hmm. just a storage area for the uh, ghost tour and for the Lizzie Borden bread and breakfast, and it's just it's just merchandise. It's just boxes mm-hmm. of t-shirts and yeah, just random stuff. And I felt pretty pretty solid the whole time we've been here, other than feeling a little bit of you know a dark energy or a heavy energy on us as we've been walking around downstairs in the basement. As soon as we go into this room. And I'm getting I'm getting choked up now just thinking about it. It felt like 
I couldn't swallow fully. Mm-hmm. And like something was not choking me, but there was something negative, like extremely, I don't know, just upsetting, upsetting, your upsetting, upsetting psyche me, upsetting me for some reason when we were in there. And I, I remember looking at Mallory and I said, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. in here and I said I'm gonna I've I gotta get out of this yeah room. and Phil because we that's our tour guide name but we were talking to him about a couple of different things that we had been kind of experiencing to see if other people had been experiencing it or if we were kind of making it up because we knew we were in a haunted house and he said that a lot of people that go in the basement either will have waves of nausea splitting headaches um like temperature changes. And I got very hot. Like, I, And it was cold in the basement, and I was extremely warm. Well, I didn't there. get hot other than my ears getting hot, which was very interesting for me because, well, you know how I am. I'm either hot as fire or I'm cold as ice. There's no really in between, in between for me. But um, so it was very interesting, and he said that's one thing that you should always pay attention to is how you feel because you're not necessarily going to experience like physical. Well, I guess that is physical, but like. Like when the little girl pulled my hair, he said that not many people experience those types of things, but they experience like just normal feelings that you would have every day, every day and not think about it, like the nausea or like the headache. But as soon as they would leave or something, mm -hmm, as soon as they would leave, it would go away. And that can be a sign of, you know, spirits are present. present. Even if they're not doing anything like moving a chair or closing a door or anything like that. So you can't see it, but you can definitely feel it. You just have to pay attention. So I definitely felt something in that room. Um, and I, I voiced it as soon as I felt it. I said, there's something weird going on with me while I'm in here. And he said, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And so I backed out of that room. And... Pretty much the whole rest of the time that we were down there, I felt very on edge. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just, and for, for no in particular reason, just couldn't get, well, probably you noticed this, I walked around a whole bunch after mm-hmm. that, just in and out of rooms. Yeah. Just, I just couldn't stand still for some reason. Mm-hmm. Very strange. And so then, for me, this is the craziest part of, of being in this Oh, in this yeah, house. and you left me alone, knowing I... <laughs> I'm the one that people, dead people like. I, I, we were within <laughs> eight feet of one another. It's not like I ran out of the house and was like, well, you're on your own. Take her, ghosts. Take her. No, I didn't do that. Um, I just walked into a different room. I just couldn't, I just couldn't stand still. So anyway, we're going, we're down there. The EMF things go off a number of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, one girl was really scared. Yeah. Anytime it went off, she would sandwich herself in between her two friends and was like, I'm not moving. And then she eventually gave David her little reader because she was like, I don't want to hold this anymore. Yeah. She was, she was pretty freaked out. So after all of this happens, we go back upstairs. And to me, mm-hmm. this is kind of the, I, I don't know what to, what to call it. Kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, I guess. They ask us to, they're like, will you take our picture? The, the other two girls that were there and, and you and one of the other girls had a very similar experience with a similar mm-hmm. dream that you've, you've had before, which is pretty interesting. And I thought it was cool to share those stories with her, but um, they wanted to get a picture of uh, the two girls and Phil together on the couch mm-hmm. where Mr. Borden had been murdered. 
it's not the actual couch. It's yeah. a different couch, but it's the same spot. And so they go upstairs and they sit down on the couch and Mallory's taking their picture. And about halfway through this moment, I mean, this moment only lasted 10 or 20 seconds. It was a very quick moment. I realized that I had dreamt about taking these two girls picture with Phil on this couch in this house, maybe four or five months ago. And that's something that happens pretty. I mean, it, doesn't happen all the time, but it's an occurrence that happens. It's a regular occurrence uh, for me to know exactly what it is when it happens. It's happened enough times. Do we know why deja vu happens? I don't know. For me, like a lot of people explain deja vu differently. It's like, oh, it's the feeling that I've done this before. Or One thing the, that I've heard is that it's you doing the same thing in a different lifetime. See, I've heard that I don't too. know if I believe that I one. don't think I believe that one. For me... What I consider to be deja vu, and I, I don't know if this is the correct term or not, but I've had this happen to me in multiple occasions. Um, this is something that, again, the frequency of it, I can't really tell you what the frequency of it is, but it's happened enough to where I know that it happens and that it is happening when it happens, which is probably more than I can count on both of my hands. So it's, I mean, in 30 years, I don't know, I mean... It's probably happened like 20 times. I mean, I mean that's not that many times. But um, in over a 30-year period, I guess that's pretty frequent. But what will happen is is I'll have a dream, and, and Mallory can attest to this as well. I, I don't dream very often. No, he does not. And I get, when it's time to go to sleep, my head hits the pillow, and I'm asleep. And that's about it. And I wake up, and I don't, I don't recollect anything. Whereas it takes me almost two hours to fall asleep. I can't help that. <laughs> but when I do dream, so th- and this is how this this is how this happens. I will dream something, and when I'm dreaming that image, and it's not a very long moment; it's ten, fifteen seconds long at the maximum, most of the time shorter. I will dream something so vividly, and it's, I mean, it's absolutely perfect. It looks just like it does when you're awake. But it only lasts for like a flash. Mm-hmm. And I'll dream it and see it happening. And and like the detail that I remember it is just, it's outstanding, the amount of detail that I remember from it. And I'll dream it and I'll wake up and I'll remember it. But then 10 minutes later, I've completely forgotten it. And then, so, then I wait four or five months or... You know, in this case, it's been about three or four months since I dreamed this. We're in the Lizzie Borden house. We take their picture. I hear them say the phrase or whatever that I hear them say in my dream. And that memory instantly, that dream instantly kicks back into my brain. And I know that I've been in that position before in my dream. I It's almost like I've foretold it to myself, which is, and again, I've never been to this house before. So there's no... Yeah, dreams are interesting. There's no way that I could have... And we've seen a couple of videos of the Lizzie Borden house, but the house looks extremely different from the way it does when it's videoed and, and mm-hmm. pictures are taken of it. It's very different. And the vividness and just the realistic nature of that dream is just so uncanny that we take their picture, they get done, and I said, okay, you guys are going to think this is extremely crazy, but... 
I've dreamed that this moment happened before. And all, th- all three of them on the couch, just they're, I mean, they were just like, really? And I was like, yeah, not making it up. Like I can't, and I wouldn't lie about that. I mean, there's no, what am I going to get from saying something like that? But I honestly dreamed it before. Very interesting. I will say that before I've seen like a lot of different spirits and had a lot of different encounters with what I think could also potentially be dark entities as well. And I never knew if I was really reading into it or, you know, dreaming certain things. But after going to that house and having my few couple of experiences, I definitely think I am in tune with the spirit world. I will say that Mallory is not clairvoyant. She's not a medium, but I, I feel like you, like you said, you're more susceptible to seeing things that are in the spiritual realm than, than I am, because I don't see things that often. I have more of what I was just explaining more of the deja vu, um, kind of like the foretelling of an event that will happen in the future, but I don't know when it's going to happen. And one way that we know that I'm not clairvoyant, as they call it, is because when Phil was asking me different, um, I was telling him different stories, and he was like, do they notice you when you see them? And most of the time, they do not notice me. So that's how I know that I can't necessarily communicate with them, but I can, I know that they're there when they decide to reveal themselves to me. So... And we'll, I guess we'll end on this. Um, we were talking to Phil, and he said that that whole area, the southeastern area that Fall River's in and into Rhode Island, and then not up technically into Salem, but just in that southeastern Massachusetts area, the majority of it is a giant forest. It's like a million-something acres of forest land. And he says it's like the Bermuda Triangle, but for hauntings. Yeah, and or spirits. It's extremely active. Like things get attracted to it, and then they just mm-hmm. get kind of stuck. Yep. So I know if you're listening to this, you're probably really skeptical of our experience at the Lizzie Borden house. And, I mean, you should be. You should want to find these things out for yourself. If so, go up there. It's not that far of a no, flight. It, it uh, was literally It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was $25 for a tour. Yeah. If you're nice, they might take you down to the basement. Yeah. You get to go in the house. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I would suggest going to Salem when it's not Halloween, if you're into the history. If you're into Halloween, you need to go on Halloween. Well, and like I said earlier, no matter what time of year, people still dress up. Yeah. So you can go March, April, when it's apparently not quite as busy, and you can still dress up and have the Salem experience during Halloween. Just be careful if you try to go in the winter because it is Massachusetts and it will snow and it'll be very, very cold. We got very lucky with the weather, but I think this is a very successful uh, anniversary trip. Yeah, I had fun. Definitely one of my top five-ish trips of my lifetime. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, if y'all want to hear more of my ghost stories, y'all should give this one a listen and comment saying you want to hear more of my stories. Do we have a comment box? We have an email address email us i'll tell you all my ghost stories styles.and.friends.podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can leave us a voicemail we've got a voicemail box too that's mm-hmm. 828-549-8842 tell us if you think we're 
full of BS or not. I mean, yeah. we know what we experienced. And so. I will say my other ghost stories, they will scare you. At least one of them will. Maybe two. Mallory experiences some pretty crazy stuff. She's yeah. also a very vivid dreamer. Where, yeah. Like I said I can before, tell you some of my dreams. I am not. I go to sleep and that's about it. Gosh, I could write a book. I've told you before you should. Well, sometimes I do forget them as soon as I wake up, especially if I get woken up by one of the dogs or like the loud noise and it pulls me out of it. I won't remember it at all. Well, we thank you for listening this week. Uh, yeah. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode, but this kind of... I we think were waiting for this, this one. This kind of wraps up our October set of shows and so we'll transition back into doing more interviews with different people here lately and um we might have we may have some other uh guests on i mean we'll have mallory on again she's a great guest as well we like her on this show so i know she wants to do one where she makes me drink a whole bunch of soda which i hate yeah he hates soda so uh we'll see what happens Might do a taste test maybe a trivia taste test oh that would be if fun. you get the questions right you won't have to drink the soda well I'm I'll get hard questions. Oh, you, that's, that's <laughs> what you were saying. Well, again, we thank you for listening. Follow uh, us on Instagram follow or follow on David Instagram. on Instagram. Yeah, follow me on Instagram. I post pretty frequently, especially from it? this past trip. Uh, just Styles handle? and Friends podcast at, on Instagram. And then, again, we've given you the, uh, the email and the phone number. So hit us up. Tell us what you think. I'll tell you all my ghost stories. That's the most interesting thing I've got. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.